on the American shoreline, local governments have a lot of responsibility to manage their shorelines, their beaches and bays. It's a big job at the local government level. Hello, everybody. My name is Peter Ravel. I'm the host of the Local Control Podcast. And on this show, we try to talk with the officials and the people who have the responsibility day in and day out to make the local government decisions that are critical to managing shorelines effectively. Uh, I'd like to welcome to the show Philip Roars. Uh, Philip is the is is the water resources engineer for the city of Virginia Beach, Virginia. Philip, I hope that's the right title. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. It's the right title, water resources engineer. Well, it sounds like a big uh, a big subject when you're the water resources engineer. What falls into your purview day in and day out at the city of Virginia Beach? Well, managing our coastlines, you know, principally, you know, for flood protection. Um, uh, many of your listeners may not be familiar with Virginia Beach, but, you know, we're, we're of course, an ocean beach, but we're also at the bay mouth, uh, the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, so we have water on many sides. Um, and, and controlling flooding and, and, and in part as it relates to this program through beach preservation and beach replenishment is a big part of what we do. You know, I've never been to Virginia Beach, uh, Phil, and uh, tell us about the town. How long have you been there? Uh, I, I, I assume there's a, you know, this is part of an urbanized American shoreline uh Introduce our listeners to Virginia Beach, if you wouldn't mind. Sure, absolutely. So we're at the southeast corner of Virginia Beach, right at the Chesapeake Bay mouth. Um, this is the location where, where John Smith landed uh, to, to colonize the United States, or what became the United States. Um, we're a relatively large town, uh, about 200 square miles, uh, population nearing 500,000. Uh, wow. We're, we're, we're actually an independent city. We, we do not have a county government over top of us. Um, we, we, we actually succeeded from, or, or whatever the appropriate word is. Seceded, really? Did you secede? Yeah, well, it was the county of Princess Anne, which was Norfolk's host county. And it, it lit up into various jurisdictions, including the independent city of Norfolk, independent Virginia Beach and Chesapeake. Um, Interesting. So we have 28 miles of coast. We have 14 or so miles on our uh, Chesapeake Bay shoreline. And then there are 14 miles of city-managed beaches on the Atlantic Ocean Bay line or, or coastline. Um, That's a long beach. It, it is relatively long, and it's, it's broken up into several segments. Um, we do have a big uh, federal presence here. We have... Uh, several military reservations that occupy parts of our shoreline. And we also have two very large, wonderful state parks that have shorelines. But uh, the city, our, our group manages 28 miles of shoreline. Wow. You know, with the federal government there in a military footing and a state park, I would think as someone who's, uh, you know, down here in Texas, that you would get a cooperative cooperative relationship with the state and the feds on these kinds of issues? How is the relationship with your state and federal partners on this shoreline? Well, we, we have been partnering with the United States Army Corps of Engineers really since back in the 50s. Um, uh, 
there, there has been a partnership uh, to combat erosion along our Atlantic Ocean shoreline, you know, that does date back into the 40s and 50s. Uh, we've been actively working together uh, to prevent flooding um, and, and to preserve the shoreline where it is for, for flood protection as well as recreational benefits. Mm. Is the is the uh, are the are the are the Atlantic shoreline beaches? Is that a barrier island shoreline, or is that attached to the mainland? All of ours are attached. Although Sand Bridge Beach, our, our southernmost beach that, that extends down to the North Carolina border, it, the word Sand Bridge is in its name, and, and it does have a back bay, but it is connected. Okay, well, how are the beaches? What's the uh, what's the status from uh, a you know, dunes and beach width standpoint. How are your How are your Atlantic beaches doing? Well, you know, we, we've been managed, and we've been managing our beaches, as I said, back into the forties. Uh, so our shorelines are in fairly good shape. However, there is a natural long term erosion that that occurs in here in the Mid Atlantic Bight that just can't be ignored, uh, and we've been combating that for years, and, and the results are very visible. Um, we, we have a very healthy shoreline along most of our Atlantic coast, and, and with all but a small exception here or there, our Bay Coast is also, at this point, in pretty good shape. And the reason it is fantastic, a, a very aggressive program, um, it, it, including the last six months and the next 12, during the 18-month period that we're in, we're going to be putting sand on six of our seven beach segments. Um, wow. Yeah, so it's quite a... Quite an active program. Well, tell us about so the management strategy on the Atlantic beaches. Uh, is that a beach nourishment uh, program, and where does your sand come from? How much do you get? Where do you get it from? That kind of thing. Right. So yeah, they are beach replenishments. That that is the the program here. In in our Atlantic beaches, there are three segments. There's the resort and north end as one segment, Croatan Beach in the middle, and then Sandbridge at the southern end. Uh, they are periodically replenished. Um, we have a, a net natural loss of sand of about 300,000 cubic yards a year all along. Wow. Uh, so so that that's typically our replenishment goal is somewhere in, so if we do a replenishment on a four-year cycle, we're typically looking at a million two maybe a, a little bit more for advanced maintenance. Uh, right. So, so that's typically our, our measure. So we have upcoming this year a, a million and a half cubic yard replenishment for Sandbridge and a million three, one million three hundred thousand cubic yards replenishment for the resort program. Ooh. Yeah. Those are real numbers. So two and a half million cubic yards of sand on those two segments of your Atlantic shoreline. How many miles is that? Those two combined. Will that eleven miles? Wow, you know that's a big project in in scale uh, compared to the types of beach replenishment projects we've got down here in Texas. I know in Florida that's not an unusual number: two and a half million cubic yards. Uh, are you going offshore for that? How much? Uh, how much change does it take? How much money does it? cost to bring two and a half million cubic yards of sand to the city of Virginia Beach's Atlantic shoreline. Right. Well, it's really closer to 2.8 million. Uh, and uh, 
Yeah, we have two offshore borrow sources identified for our northern project, which is the resort beach in North End. We'll be, we'll okay. be mining a piece of what's called the Atlantic Ocean Channel. So it's the federal navigation channel that approaches the Chesapeake Bay mouth service, Baltimore oh. Harbor, uh, the, of course, the, the Port of Virginia here in Norfolk Harbor. Uh, so we'll be mining the Atlantic Ocean Channel uh, for our sand for the resort beach. Down at Sandbridge, we have a, a shoal identified and permitted um, that is an old remnant finger shoal off, off of Cape, False Cape. Uh, it, it is five miles offshore. Um, uh, you asked about money. You know, these two contracts combined are clearly going to be greater than $40 million. Um, Did you say $20 million? $40 million. $40 million. Right. Wow. Yeah, that's a big number. And if you're five miles out on your Sandbridge segment, is that a hopper dredge operation or are you guys able to pipeline dredge that they're, they're, distance? They're both hopper dredge operations. Okay. And does, it sounds like one of them is a beneficial use project using the federal entrance channel material. Is that, uh, is that done by the Corps of Engineers with a beneficial placement option? Uh, no. Uh, so th there is a deepening plan of the Atlantic Oceans with the Atlantic Ocean Channel, and we will participate under that beneficial use program uh, with the Corps of Engineers putting the sand on our beach. But that it's not currently being deepened. So in effect, okay. our beach replenishment project is doing some advanced deepening for the port. Huh. I don't know, Phil, that's a good favor you're doing for them. So you help them clear the channel a little bit as your sand source. Uh, it seems they ought to be nice to you and give you some money for well, that. Well, they are being very nice to us, Peter. And, and, and in that project, the Resort Beach Replenishment Project, it's 65% federal funding. So, that's outstanding. Right, exactly. So, you know, while we would love to be eligible under beneficial use and pay an even better margin at we're very happy with the current circumstances. Well, I think you know, around the country, a lot of uh, beach towns would be very happy to have that 65% federal contribution on shoreline management projects. Uh, that's a rarer, becoming more and more rare to, to get a hold of that kind of contribution from the Corps of Engineers. Uh, I guess this project's probably been going on, as you said, maybe for decades. Well, that's right. This is a continuation of a project that, that started back in the 50s. Uh, the new authorities, but uh, the last authority was in 1986 in the Water Resource Development Act. Um, and it was, you're right, it's one of the last projects that went through the full authorization process and, and, and one of the few that are currently supported. We know it's uh, one of the things I, I, I like to do, uh, Phil, and the reason I think the Local Control podcast uh, matters is because a lot of folks along the American shoreline who are might be in real estate or, sh or fishing industry or in the recreation industry or other uh, economic sectors of the coast, uh, we all hear about erosion. And one of the common, I think, misperceptions is that uh, all the taxpayers in the United States just come waltzing into town with big fat checkbooks and just take care of these problems for local communities. And uh, 
that's far from the truth. And we like to, you know, t- tell people about the amount of work and energy and effort that local governments uh, invest in managing their shorelines, including financially contributing to these management programs. Um, I assume that your program is one, primarily run locally, and two, uh, how much does it cost the city and the citizens of the area to have this beach management program going on? Well, um, you know, again, you know, we're very fortunate at the resort beach to have federal participation. We do not have that in, in many of our other beaches. Um, in general, the, the, the citizens of Virginia Beach, through the council, city council adopted capital improvement program, put aside something like four, four and a half million dollars a year uh, in general taxes and another four and a half, five million dollars a year in special taxes that support this program locally. Wow. Those are big numbers. So how is that revenue uh, collected locally? Who's paying into it? Uh, it sounds like there's more than one one tactic or one tool being employed here. Can you kind of fill, round out uh, how the money flows locally? Well, the, the, the general fund contribution, and, and again, you know, here in Virginia Beach, we've been doing beach replenishment forever. We, we always pay cash for beach replenishment. We never finance beach replenishment. So we, we, we have a, a net surplus of revenue every year from our resort industry, our tourism industry here at the oceanfront. And it's a significant number. Um, it, it is something like $80, $90 million a year net that the city receives from our resort program. Uh, so, wow. So giving back to the shoreline protection program, some four, four and a half million dollars of that annually, only like five percent. It only makes sense. It, it's just it's not even a debatable thing. Um, at Sandbridge, it's a slightly different situation. Uh, the, the other four and a half to five million dollars a year that get contributed to our beach program comes from Sandbridge. Uh, from the property owners at Sandbridge and from another special taxing mechanism in Sandbridge. Um, and, and those funds are kept and held and used solely to do beach work at Sandbridge. Okay. And, you know, in terms of local government funding on shoreline projects, I find that particular factor uh, where the origin of the revenues are tied to the expenditure of the revenues to be a very helpful uh, characteristic of effective uh, shoreline funding strategies that people want to know that if uh, they're paying into the system, that they're going to benefit from those expenditures. And it sounds like you guys have obviously figured that out. Well, you know, uh, I appreciate that that thought. And I think you're right. You know, we have been communicating and that's the important part. You know, when, when a, when a community has a net benefit from an amenity like a beach and they use a portion of the proceeds from that amenity to maintain the amenity, you have to communicate that to your citizens. You know, that the thought, the instant thought for most citizens is, well, we should pay our policemen more or we should pay our, and, and those are great and good arguments, but that this is money directly related to having the amenity, it's net revenue from it. And to plow it back into maintaining the amenity just makes too much sense. And once once citizens understand mm-hmm. that, that we're not taking 
their tax dollar uh, and, and choosing to do something with it that doesn't support itself. And it's very effective if you can communicate it. It sounds very, very well managed, Phil. And I want to jump back to the other segment of the project. I think, it, what do you call it? The North Resort yeah, segment? The North End and the Resort. The North End. Uh, you know, that number that you quoted, $90 million a year in uh, from the resort or tourism economy is a huge number as an annual number. Is that, uh, is that, this is the source of that what would be a hotel occupancy tax or an accommodation tax, depending on the yes. words and from different states? But Exactly. So there's a surcharge on our room rentals um, that is the source of that funding, yes. What's the percentage? Uh, what is it called there, and how much is the percentage of that surcharge? What's the surcharge well, percent? Well, again, you know, let me clarify. It is, that is not the total amount. Okay, so there, there, it is one of the tax revenue streams related to the okay. industry. There's, of course, meal taxes and, and other... Uh, uh, Alcohol tax, sale tax, those uh, other... All, all that stuff. They aggregate in the net to okay. be something like $90 million a year. And, and when I say in the net, we, we do the math. We subtract out how much extra policing we have to you know, uh, provide to, to keep everyone safe when we have 200,000 people on the beach. Uh, uh, the, the extra, uh, our, our marketing, uh, yeah. uh, all that. Marketing, the trash pickup, the lifeguards, the walkovers. That's, we hire all of that, you know, I it must uh, it must be a very very busy area. Two hundred thousand people is that a is that a season or that that's a big number? And obviously, if you're generating net somewhere in the neighborhood of ninety million annually, uh, you've really got the financial foundation for uh, a solid program of management and investment in your shoreline. It sounds like a a great outcome here. Right. And, and you know, I, 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 it would be silly to say that the management of the beach caused the revenue. It's the revenue of the beach that allows the management of the beach. <laughs> uh -huh. you know, yeah. We've, we've been a successful resort since the 30s. Um, and we've built a name with uh, an East Coast market. Generally, you, you'd mentioned you're from Texas and you haven't yet been. I mean, we, we don't span the globe, but we do get. A lot of Canadian and Mid-Atlantic visitors. Well, it's close to D.C. You know, I'm hoping that all those elected officials from Congress get down to Virginia Beach and see what a great place it is and why good shoreline management is a good idea and then gets their butt back into Congress and votes for it. <laughs> do you get many, do you get much of the congressional folks? I mean, is that is that a known uh, recreation area for our Good friends in well, Congress. Well, it, it is. However, you know, you would you would think Ocean City, Maryland, would take that, or or, or some of the Delaware beaches would take that claim. Uh, we're, but we we certainly do have some uh, congressmen who have properties on the ocean front at the North End as second homes. They're, 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 it is not an unknown quantity for sure in Washington. Well, personal experience tends to drive an understanding of shoreline erosion and shoreline management is what I have found over the years. Um, people who can see it and feel it and touch it uh, tend not to debate whether it's happening. Uh, there's always debates about why it's happening. Um, <laughs> but um, 
that it's happening is it becomes apparent and 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 that really can help drive the discussion toward a effective management strategy is that how's it worked how's how's the politics worked and the community support worked out for you well you know with a with the with the word beach in your namesake and and, and with a general lifestyle in in our city uh, that acknowledges the pleasure of being on a beach and and, and, and using the water um, we, we've had we've enjoyed pretty good pretty good support here locally um, you were you were speaking about having congressmen touch it and, and, and understand it and feel it. it 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 just reminded me of, of the great uh, John Warner who had been our senator for years and great state yeah uh, just a one yeah uh, and he would come down and when you say see it and touch it the man would bring us swimming trunks and, and he would <laughs> That's what you and want. change it <laughs> that's what you want i think it you know it's, they say a picture's worth a thousand words but getting your you know stopping and putting on your uh swimsuit and jumping in the ocean that's got to be ten thousand words that's better than a picture <laughs> well what do you think accounts for the uh, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that at Virginia Beach, it's in the name, it's an identity of the community. When when people think of Virginia Beach, it is a large uh, community. The 500,000 is the population. Uh, do people in Virginia Beach think of themselves as a beach town or what's the identity of the community? How do they, oh, I think, how do they you know, identify? We, we certainly have communities that are tens of miles from the beach itself physically. But I, I think overall, folks from this town identify themselves as being from a beach town. Um, you, you know, and it, when it comes to funding priorities, uh, only the immediate property owners that live on the oceanfront have that, have that sense that, that, that their, that, that their value or their, 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 their life's estate is directly affected to the condition of the beach. But but I think everybody in town, you know, the vast majority of the folks in town spend enough time on the beach or enjoy the beach lifestyle that they, they consider themselves to be beach residents. Yeah. And, you know, what I found in, in doing funding strategies in North Carolina and Florida or, or in South Texas is... Uh, that sense of identity is a very important foundational piece of uh, effective shoreline management locally and, and effective funding strategies. Um, and even for people who don't live on the beach, uh, what I found is when they begin to appreciate the economics of the shoreline and those 200,000 visitors that show up uh, and what they bring to the community economically, uh, that helps the city's tax base in every way that helps pay for police and fire and every other that drives the economy of the town is, is y'all, is it, is it understood to be, or is it true there that, that as a, that the tourism economy is uh, a principal part of your economic picture oh, as absolutely. a city? Uh, no, no question about it. I mean, there, there may be a few citizens who, deny it or are, are uninformed, but, but by and large, everyone understands that the reason we have such a great education system, the reason we, we're, we're ranked so high in safe cities, 
um, the reason our property values are, are so strong is in fact because we have a tourism uh, component to our revenue stream that is just it's it's large. Yeah, uh, you know it, it's it's stunning, really. I always say if you pick up a town and you move it. 200 miles inland and then try to get 200,000 people to come to it, you'd have a really, really right. hard time. <laughs> and most people tend to think, how can I, you know, some of these towns have like the frog festival or the chili pepper festival or something to try to get, you know, people to come and visit the town and spend money in restaurants and get a hotel. Uh, when you're an inland community, that is a tough job in right. a lot of places. Uh but when you're a beach town, uh, you know, if the beach isn't in terrible shape, 200,000 people will show up because people, Americans love right. the beach. And, and just to clarify, you, you latched on to that 200,000 number. Let me clarify. We have more than 3 million overnight guests a year. And during our peak days, the July 4th, the, 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 the Labor Day, as, as many as 200,000 people are present at the ocean. Wow, that is incredible, and you know that would that would explain ninety million dollars right. in uh, in in tax revenues from the variety of ways in which visitors uh, contribute to the local economy. That's a, a stunning number. Uh, if you were Phil, I mean, I, how long have you how long have you been with with the city and and, and been responsible? Uh, partner in putting all of this into place and getting I, it working. I just completed my 29th year. Yeah. Oh my! Well, Thank congratulations. You. I believe you're eligible <laughs> for for a few for a few retirement lines. I would think, uh, but I, I, I guess you're going to be sticking yes, around a while. Sixties and then. Uh, as long as they'll have you, I guess. Uh, but it, in and we've met it. We met at the ASBPA conference. I think we we shared a podium on local government financing, uh, and I was very intrigued by the uh, the program of financial stability that you guys have built there to manage this twenty eight miles of shoreline that you have within the city. Um, it is a remarkable achievement, and I think it's it, it's an important message for a lot of communities that are just starting to confront uh, the responsibility of investing in shoreline management programs. Um, that is a function in part of sea level wise. More communities are being affected by shoreline change. Um, it is a function of our love of the shoreline and the density of development and how close we get to the water these days. Um, but in, in thinking about this uh, almost three decades of work, uh, what would you say to uh, you know a, an elected official, say a county commissioner or a city council member in a community that's taking those first steps into, oh my gosh, the ocean is doing bad things in my community and I'm scared to death that we cannot possibly take that on either financially or technically. Uh, How would you advise them to think through that challenge? Well, you know, the the federal government has 
had a long, and so my first response is to turn to the federal government. Now, that, that doesn't necessarily mean there's a federal solution for you, uh, but but they have, over the years, developed ways to assess various benefits and and to estimate various costs and to 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 present the economics in a in a way that they will tell you it either makes sense or doesn't. I mean, it has made sense right. here in Virginia Beach. We are a developed shoreline. Um, with this forty million dollars that we're talking, forty million plus that we're going to spend in this coming year on our two Atlantic Ocean beaches, we're in the position where we know the economics of doing that makes sense for us. So if if you haven't yet gotten there, you've, I the first thing you have to do is make sure the economics make sense. Great place to start. Absolutely. Couldn't agree yeah, with you And more. if they do make sense, I, I think there's, you know, there, there's challenges, there's, there's outreach and, and garnering support for it, and there's, there's forums to help you do that. Uh, but if it does make sense, there are a number of technical examples, Virginia Beach is a great example, where, where you can come and witness how it does work, and you can take that experience back and help Right. You know, I I think um, one of the uh, experiences that I've uh, had in working with communities that are taking on this problem for the first time, uh, where there's not a track record of a project, there's not a track record financially, you know, the capacity of the community to to execute this stuff has not uh, been revealed. And one of the barriers to to talking to, uh, if I can say, newcomers uh, to the universe that you occupy uh, very successfully, is what I call the futility argument. The true sense of of sort of awe of the fact that you are on the ocean and that it is a big and powerful body of water that is subject to massive. Uh, shifts in conditions and storms. Uh, a lot of people look at that and say, and kind of throw up their hands and say, you know, we just can't do this. And the rest of that phrase is, and we should just let Mother Nature take its course. Um, have you have you encountered that? Uh, and do you still encounter uh, of that course, attitude? But, but by, generally, by those that are uninvested, um, you know, you you certainly can. Uh, fight it, you, you certainly can adapt to the energy in the ocean and, and the results of its impacts on our shoreline. We've been doing it since Mesopotamia. It, 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 it's, it becomes futile when it doesn't make economic sense. You're trying to protect one home right. that's worth $3 million, but it takes a million dollars a year to protect it. It doesn't make sense. Maybe Maybe then the letting Mother Nature take that does not make sense takes over. But when your net revenue from a resort right. is ninety million dollars a year, does it make sense to put five million dollars back into it? Of course it does. Yeah, and that that economic cornerstone I think is absolutely the right way to go. And uh, what I have found is that it is underappreciated the economic power of the American shoreline and particularly of beaches is 
is often overlooked in part, and I've said because there's no entrance gate. You know, if this were Disneyland and you could have a booth where people handed you a ticket, uh, you would know instantaneously every day uh, what the economic return of that shoreline is. And so many beaches in America are free and open um, or have it, it, it's very difficult to get uh, clean, clear data sometimes to to make this economic argument. But uh, it's absolutely there. And uh, the best example of that, uh, if I might make a plug for the Shorn Beach magazine article, uh, on the economics of Florida beaches that came out in the, I think, the second issue of 2018 uh, is a stunning analysis of the true dollars and cents of the American shoreline out there uh, and really makes it clear that the investment is, as you say, it, in particular cases, is absolutely warranted. And, and there has to be a methodology in a way for a local official to, uh, and there is a methodology in a way for a local official to to come at that answer, and, and um, if not working with the Corps of Engineers, working with a group like American Shore and Beach, uh, at least steered in the right direction so you can explore and figure out if it makes sense. It can be done. Um, well, I wanted to ask a shift gears a little bit. Um, I have been reading over the months about uh, Norfolk, Virginia, and about sea level rise, and uh, are you encountering... Uh, sea level rise issues in Virginia Beach, is it recordable, noticeable, documentable, and has it affected or changed your approach to shoreline management? Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we, we rely on the same principal gauge that the city of Norfolk relies on. It's a historic water level gauge at Sewell's Point. And, uh, you know, the, the data does not lie. Uh, Right. Whether or not acceleration is going to reach the predicted uh, range, that's that remains to be seen. But nevertheless, it, you mm -hmm. can't deny it's been rising. It has been impacting uh, some of our residents. Uh, we have a you know a coastal plain topography geology here. Uh, remnant dunes are, are now our high ridges in town. Um, they're 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 in our northern part of town. The shorelines are "quote unquote" steep, okay. uh, meaning that storms that bring a surge, that surge is pretty well contained within the waterway because the shorelines are either bulkheaded or steep. Uh, in our southern reaches or the or southern portions of the city, the ground's a little more low lying, and, and the banks aren't as steep. So we're seeing more and more damage. Uh, and we're we're currently wrapping up a three-year study, a sea level rise adaptation study. Um, wow. And, and a principal component in it, of course, is to continue our shoreline program. Um, you know, beaches are a great defense against sea level rise and, and climate change. Uh, one of the one of the great things about them is not only do we already know about how they function as uh, uh, buffers and, and wave energy attenuation. But one of the great things about them is once you've started managing a shoreline, when you see a need for a higher and wider beach, the solution is just add more sand. Right. right. You know, there's yeah. permitting, there's environmental review, there's financial justification, but clearly 
if you're managing a shoreline, you can make it a foot higher. Yep. And you know, I've always said, you know, a, a shoreline management program requires three things, a source of sand, a permit and money to move it. And if you can figure those three things out, and obviously you guys have, you're in the ball game. Uh, the question of its affordability we've discussed, and, and clearly in, in your case, there's undoubtedly a economic rationale for the investment. Um, with the shoreline, with the sea level rise, uh, it, it's amazing. Glad you guys are doing a serious look. Obviously, a community that's thinking ahead. Uh, do you think the annualized rate of sand loss, which you said was somewhere around three hundred thousand cubic yards, uh, do you expect that to increase? And have you got a feel for that yet, or is that still under evaluation? You know that that is still under evaluation, Peter. Um, you know, so for our long-term shoreline erosion rate to change, uh, a, a large, a, a longer period of data would be needed for it to present itself. Uh, our shoreline changes rapidly with a storm, but then it heals rapidly. We, we add sand at the same time there's a natural background loss. And we really haven't yet seen an uptick uh, in volume loss, but it's we are looking at precipitation changes, uh, and, and, and as it relates to riverine flooding, um, and, and so maybe someone will be able to demonstrate that climatic changes are also changing shoreline erosion rates. But I haven't seen it yet. Huh. Well, I think it's a it, it is a dynamic issue and one that uh, local officials contend with, I think, first. Um, The academic community has a feel for it, of course. Detailed studies can be done about particular areas, but in terms of feeling the push and pull of your community and actually identifying uh, the problem and experiencing it, that is a local government uh, are the eyes and ears of this thing uh, because you you just get a phone call. I don't. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the reasons why the the local control component of the shoreline management is so critical because I think you guys are on the front lines. Uh, it's where the rubber meets the road. We, we like to call it retail government. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. The lowest. It, it, I think there's some uh, there's some statesmen that came out of Virginia who had uh, thoughts about uh, governing from the local level. Uh, I believe there's a few well-known Americans who right. uh, who set the stage for the American government from there. Right. <laughs> um, well, I, let let me let me turn to a subject on on shoreline armoring and and uh, what is the history of. Uh, of shoreline armoring in the community? Do you have a jetty system? Are, are walls common? Are the geotextile sandbags being used? How is all of that playing out? Is there a lot of pressure for that stuff now? And what's the permitting like? How's that for a multi-part question? But what's going on with structures? It's kind of been interesting to watch, Peter. You know, it, 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 we've kind of, not a case study, but we've followed the same path that a lot of others have followed. You know, back in the 30s, 1930s, Virginia Beach became a thing, and people started coming, and they built beach cottages and, and tourism amenities. 
And oh my goodness, the shoreline was eroding. And the first reaction was build a wall. Yeah. So they built a wall and they said, oh my gosh, the beach is going away even quicker. <laughs> so, As it does. So then they began beach replenishment. Um, now, along our Atlantic coast, we did the same thing at Sandbridge. The, the shoreline was eroding. We hadn't yet gotten a project put together to address it. Uh, damage started occurring. People built walls. Sand started losing, uh, being lost even more quickly. We finally built a beach. In both our resort beach and Sandbridge beach, they have structures, but the structures aren't ever touched by water. Huh. In other words, what we have at the resort, yeah. it's a brand new project. We finished it in 2001. We have a seawall, but the project is designed with the seawall as a fail-safe last resort device. The, yeah. the project is designed such that the beach protects against the design storm. Um, and, and a similar thing happened at Sandbridge uh, huh. in that once we got the shoreline restored, and maintain it at that restored dimension, the, the bulkheads that are down there that were put up in, in desperation, they haven't, yeah. they haven't felt a wave since we put sand on the beach in 1998. But if that huge, big storm yeah. comes and completely depletes the beach, well then, then they're there to do whatever they can. Got the backup. But in general, we do not allow It's great. We, we, we don't like structures on the beach. We don't want the shoreline interface to be a structure. We, we prefer mm -hmm. sand. Uh, not healthy. So so and we've had a few private property owners over the years apply for a permit to put up armor stone uh, for their one property, um, and they were not permitted. Uh, hmm. There have been several tries at that. We don't have, like in North Carolina, a, a statewide prohibition uh, or legislation specifically on point, but our, our environmental boards and agencies don't allow it. And, you know, I think you've mentioned a very, very key component of that discussion, and, and they are put up in desperation. And when you have a shoreline management program that is sustained and is, as you said, built to withstand the design storm. In other words, you've got the capacity to protect property built into the beach dune system. The necessity for structures plummets. And, you know, when, and I'll just tell a, a quick story here. When we worked in Charlotte County in 2018 uh, on funding their first, uh, you know, serious comprehensive shoreline management strategy, including beach uh, replenishment on two uh, barrier islands there. During that discussion, there were steel sheet pile walls being pounded into these pristine, gorgeous uh, white sand beaches. And I hate to be, you know, this is sort of emotionally connected about it, but it is a failure when I see that. And the way I described it to the community is that is not a success. When you have self-help projects and individual owners so desperate uh, and property so at risk that they're spending fifty or seventy-five or a hundred thousand dollars to get you know uh, heavy equipment down on the beach and pounding steel sheet pile 
into these beaches, that is a failure on the part of the community and the government and the leadership, in my opinion. And I don't, I'm not trying to be terribly critical. I'm saying the only reason that stuff happens is because there is not a coordinated, unified, effective strategy that has been in place. Because if you do it, you can say no, like you guys are able to say no, because the program you've implemented provides a pretty damn good level of protection. That's how I look at it. I see structures as a failure, a failure of imagination and a failure of policy. I, I don't disagree, and, 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 but I, I, I'd, I'd ask you to take it all the way back to its root. And, and the failure really is, on a government level, if you want to take it to the local government and say a miscue was performed, it is in, when we allow development to occur with yeah. the absence of a strategy. What, what, yeah. Once someone got their $2 million wrapped up in a pro project, it's too late. And, and, yeah. you know, and so, yes, you can say that, that we, we failed for not having a strategy, but really the failure occurred when we allowed them to develop. You know, Phil, that gets into a really rich area, and I I, I would like to ask ask to talk about it with you because we're coming up on the hour, and I don't want to extend you too long, but... But when I look around the American shoreline and up on Cape Cod, there's a really uh, classic example of unwise development occurring uh, in a particular community, uh, a very expensive house, two, two and a half million dollars on a bluff that's really forcing the local government into a tough decision on armoring. And I got to say, the local community and the local government, from what I've read, has worked very hard to resist both the development and the strategy of armoring the shoreline there. But man, I look around and I see us do this over and over again, that it is so difficult to implement the setbacks or limitations on beachfront construction. Uh, how do you explain the fact that we know this is a problem, but somehow we can't get ourselves in a position to execute the limitations we all know are sensible. You know, I, I don't know that, that I have the answer to that, Peter, but a, a thought keeps occurring to me as this discussion comes up, and, and you've kind of alluded to it with your statement of failure. One, one problem with this whole topic is, is that the, the assumption often that the local government or the state government is quote-unquote responsible uh, meaning that, in some sense, if we've allowed the development, now we have an yeah. obligation to the development. Well, I hate that. It's, it's a reasonable thing to think, but I, I just recently had to explain it to a Bayfront property owner here that, you know, I feel you, I want to help you, I'm going to do the best I can for you, but, sir, you're yelling at me as if you have the right to to expect the local government to save and hold you free from erosion. So, right. So w w the disconnect, I think, is that what, where, whether there's greed, I don't want to use that word, but w w when, when, a, when a landowner comes to a local government and says, it is within my right to develop, and I want to develop, and you don't have the policies in place or the laws in place to stop it, and it occurs... That, yeah, that does not 
bequeath upon the local government a responsibility yeah. to protect that input from his decision. But right, we are not partners just because you forced the issue. Yes, that's right. So, so somehow or other, that disconnect feeds the problem. I think. Mm-hmm. I think that's quite true. That the example that I'm talking about, and I've I, I've put up about three stories on Coastal News today, is from Wellfleet, yeah. uh, Massachusetts, out there. Uh, and it's one of those cases where there was a, a, a an eroding bluff 50, 60 feet high. It was clearly has a long history of retreat. And the owner insisted on on taking a small beach cottage and turning it into a massive two and a half, three million dollar property over the objections of the town. Now the, the the landowner had to go to court to force this permit issuance. And you know, one of the problems I think we have in America is we have this uh, protection of private property and the and the takings clause, both in the federal constitution and and in state constitutions. And hey, I'm a supporter of all of that. Uh, but if we get to a point where local governments cannot effectively manage future construction along the shoreline without writing massive checks or defending every decision through, you know, the Supreme Court or either at the state level or in the federal courts. I mean, we don't have an effective management strategy in America. And that's why I think we keep making the same damn mistakes all the time. I I think you're right. It's very hard to do. Maybe that's what it really boils down to is property rights. And and I'm all for property rights, too, and leave my property the heck alone. But yeah, but your own decision on your property cannot create a public obligation. So, right. So I mean, it does. It'll, it'll break the bank. Right. So if we don't have policies to prevent you from doing something stupid, you're on your own. Yeah, it's, you know, it's why in, 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 in the financing strategies that I've worked on, we, we build in this component of, of shorefront uh, try to, uh, well, on all of them I've done, it, it, a shorefront contribution to reflect that unique responsibility as a member of the community that that your not everyone in the community is similarly situated. Your house on the beachfront gives you wonderful benefits, economic, social, spiritual, uh, and the risks that you're taking are different from you know. It's very straightforward. Someone 500 yards inland or a mile inland. Uh, not that that can't be affected by a storm, but that shorefront risk is is not equally shared by everyone, nor should the responsibility be equally shared by everyone. Um, so I think we we share that that perspective. Uh, executing it is is not is is tough, um, and in a community like Virginia Beach, where the where the beach is a massive economic asset to the community, the investment sort of makes sense regardless of the uh, wisdom of the upland owner. (laughs) But again, you know, you've said it a few times. The the fact that we have a mature program that's very effective allows us to, to, yeah, stay developed. You know, and the, we're not making a do we develop, do we not develop question. But it, it keeps us away from the the retreat question because we we, we don't 
you don't have really many homes being built in silly situations. They're, they're, they're all, right. all our oceanfront development is, is any renewal of our oceanfront development is being done with the knowledge that there's an existing program. Yeah, it certainly has got to help and affect the real estate market that you guys have an effective shoreline management strategy and that the investments people are making uh, have as good a chance of being protected as anywhere else. I mean, it's a positive thing. Um, well, it's a great discussion, Phil, and I really want to thank you for, for jumping on the Local Control Podcast and helping us understand uh, the program in Virginia Beach, uh, both in terms of your shoreline management approach and how you've successfully done it. I am absolutely 100% a fan of the strategy you guys have implemented financially. I think uh, having the tourist economy, uh, the users of the beach drive the economics of the shoreline management program is absolutely sensible. And uh, I won't get on a soapbox about it, but I think we waste too damn much money uh, in advertising programs. And these these revenue streams are big and powerful and can do a lot of good things. Uh, but we, I think we overlook the fact that uh, it is the existence of the beach and its condition that brings the visitors or is a huge part of what brings visitors to these communities. And, uh, and, and, and using that money wisely as a, way to reinvest in, in, in the beach is such a good idea. And, uh, it's pretty clear you've done it. Peter, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I, I, congratulations on your new endeavor. I, I think this is wonderful. I'm looking forward to tuning in. Yeah. Well, with this show, uh, Phil, this, uh, will come out this week on Wednesday on the local control podcast. And really thank you for taking the time and, and helping us understand what you guys have done so well.